Well, this morning, our sermon text is the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm. And I do not want to be morbid this morning when I talk about the valley of the shadow of death. I do not want to be overly dramatic, but I do want to discuss it directly. So I'm not going to ignore the fact that in this life, we're going to hurt and we're going to struggle and we're going to suffer and there's going to be tears that flow and there's going to be times that life is not a bowl of cherries. Um, We do not do ourselves any justice if we avoid the fact that uh, life is hard and can be painful. So this morning, I, I want to deal with it directly. I want to get away from just the pet answers and just the Sunday school cliches and, 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 and deal with it honestly and objectively. Now, to kind of get us from theoretical into reality, I want to show you a video. Uh, it's been a more... Uh, um, This time last year, an organization called Red Mountain Grace out of Birmingham sat down with a young couple, Brad and Stacy Booth, and their two children, Nola and Gray, and they documented Brad's uh, battle with cancer. And um, I want to show you a six-minute clip from that interview. I want you to hear, um, they don't gloss over it. You're going to hear Brad express the pain he's been through and, and, and what he is suffering. But I also want you to hear their expression of faith and courage because it is remarkable in this young couple. And it's, it's, uh, it's a well-done video. There's going to be a moment where you're going to want to reach for a tissue. There's going to be another moment when Nola's dancing on the table. You're just going to want to laugh. Um, but I think it's going to help us to really reflect on what David is trying to say in Psalms 23, chapter, uh, verse 4. So if you'll watch the video. My wife and I were living in Helena, and I was at Carl Allison, a law firm in town, and she was at Children's Hospital working in the NICU. And, and we had it all. Quote, unquote, we had the, the house, the white picket fence, the vision for what our marriage and what our family was going to be, the friends, the community. And then in December of 2010 is when um, I felt the pain in my stomach that I, I couldn't shake. And, and that was the first time that this pain wouldn't go away and we knew I had to get to the emergency room. The surgeon was clear that when he opened me up, he knew it wasn't right. He's healthy. He's 26. We're we're newly married. Probably not. I mean, what would be the likelihood of it being cancer? So our surgeon comes out into the waiting room, and um, he said, "Brad's stable. Everything's o- you know he's fine. Everything's okay." But I need to talk to y'all. Would get a little more information every day and I can remember the doctor coming in every morning in his rounds and he would start talking to me and I would somewhat cut him off and say doctor is it cancer or not and he would say we don't know yet until about the fourth or fifth day when I asked him that and he said we know it's cancer you know the 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 white picket fence doesn't matter very much he told us the possibilities of the type of cancer it was so we started praying that it was 
one that was treatable. And about two or three days later, he comes back in on his rounds. And he says, it's desmoplastic, small round cell tumor. He said, I've been doing this 30 years. I've never seen it. He said, there's 250 cases that have ever been reported. And I'm going to get you to somebody who's seen it. In that moment, you just feel like you're the only ones in the world going through it. And it's like you can't even think about how you're going to get through it. A fog descended, and we began to just put one foot in front of the other from then on. As we walked through the next few days of uncertainty, um, knowing the diagnosis, Googling, researching as much as we could, just seeing over and over again it's incurable. Most people live three years. Most people never make it to five years. And not seeing any, any good in this. Dying is not the most difficult thing about cancer. I can say confidently with Paul that to live is Christ and to die is gain. But the fact that I have to mourn the most beautiful things on this earth, the growing up of your kids, walking your daughter down the aisle, teaching your son how to throw the ball, those are the things that are good, <laughs> that are beautiful, that are righteous. When I think about those things, it breaks my heart and I weep. But I just remember laying there. And as we somewhat composed ourselves, having the feeling of it's going to be okay. I'm driving home from, from Brookwood, and I'm driving through Homewood, and I see this girl, and she's pushing her little baby in a carriage. And I'm just like, look at her, God. just. Give me her life. Leave me alone. Give me her life. And I hear a gentle whisper of, but is that really enough? And I think that that is really what he showed me is, is it enough for him to just leave us alone and give us what the world has to offer and give us an easy life? Or is it worth it to experience him in such a way that we hear the whispers of, I love you, and I'm enough, and I'm strong enough to get you through this, and I'm a place of refuge that you can continually come, and this world has nothing to offer you. God promised us he would be present, and he was present in that hospital. And he's been present every step of the way. When I was back at work and living quote-unquote normally, I really was wrestling with how am I going to tell my story? How am I going to tell God's story through me? I feel like cancer really brought perspective into what's important. And what, what, what motivated me was meeting people in a very difficult place. And, and, and shining a light in it because I've been there, I've experienced that, and I want to, I want to, I want to share that 
in a way that somebody who hasn't been there just can't share it. I've said a dozen times, it's still not easy. But this morning, uh, we must do justice to the Word of God and we must deal with the dark valleys of life. We can't ignore them and pretend that they do not exist and that they do not happen. There are times in this life that it is difficult. And we can be prepared. There are times in this life when it's painful. And we need to be ready. When, we, we, need to, we need to know that life is not always a green pasture and life is not always a gentle stream. A lot of times we ask why. Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And, you know, I'd really like to know why. Jesus says it's good, uh, that sometimes life is good and sometimes life is bad. And, and it's not really a matter of whether you're his child or not. We all go through good and bad. And I'd like to know why. And, and, and why do good people have to go through the valleys of life? Why can't we just skim along on the surface? And there's a, there's a complicated question. And there, there are numerous answers. And I, I certainly don't have all the answers. But I found a proverb that, that speaks volumes to me. And the proverb reads like this. All sunshine and no rain make a desert. All sunshine and no rain make a desert. You know, Stacy asked the question, you know, God, why can't I just have her life? Why, why can't I just push my baby carriage down the road? Why do I have to go through this? And then she expressed it so beautifully. Do I really want God with the valley? Or I just want him to leave me alone and let me have a comfortable life. And I think all of us must be confronted with that, with that reality and that question. You know, in order to have lush green vegetation, you must have rain. And that's true in agriculture. It's true in our Christian character. Somebody said, if you never have down times, dark times, or difficult times, you're going to have dry times. You'll have no depth to your faith and no maturity to your spirit and no brokenness in your heart. It takes both the good times in life and the bad times in the valleys to make us spiritually mature people. Life is a mixture of pain and pleasure, of victory and defeat, of success and failure, of mountaintops and valleys. And the amazing thing is God takes all of these diverse experiences in life and brings them together and does it in such a way that he shapes us and molds us and remakes us into that Christ-like image he originally designed us to be. Geographically, Israel is a very rocky country. And so in the winter, the shepherds would bring the sheep down into the valleys 
uh, and there they would graze in the lowlands. But then in the summer, when the heat would hit, they would take them up into the highlands where the greenest grass would grow. The sheep needed both the high summer pastures and they also needed the low winter grasses. They needed both. Neither was enough in and of itself. Now, to get from the winter, high, uh, winter lowlands to the summer highlands, the shepherd would have to lead the sheep through these narrow gorges that were uh, fixated between steep valleys. And the valleys were filled with dark shadows and lurking danger. But here's what we need to understand about this metaphor that David is using. The shepherd never sent the sheep. He didn't direct the sheep. He led the sheep. He went with them, in front of them. He was with them as their guide. He was with them as their protector. He never forsook them or abandoned them. He never forgot them. They went through the valley, but they didn't go through the valley alone. And see, here's the struggle that I see most, many Christians having. When we find ourselves in the valley, the first question we ask is, why am I here? And the second question is, where's God? And when you're going through it, the answers to those questions just seem so glib and, and uncertain. But you're, you're in a valley because life is hard. And I can tell you exactly where God is. He's right there. See, the hard thing about the valley is you're going to go through them. The good thing about it is you'll never go through it alone. So today, I want us to look at this fourth verse. And I want us to talk about the darkest of times. Again, I'm not trying to be morbid. I just want to be realistic. I don't want to gloss over something and pretend it's not real. I don't think God calls us to that. Because we're going to face dark times. We just will not face them alone. Our shepherd is with us. And our shepherd is leading us. And our shepherd is comforting us. And our shepherd is protecting us. So read with me. We'll start verse 1 again. As we do each week. And then we'll read through verse 4. And then look at two points. But David writes, and in, in reading out the uh, modern translation, the Lord is my shepherd, and because I have him, I have all that I need. And my shepherd lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths so I can bring honor to his name. And even when, not if, but even when, it's, it's not a question, it's a guarantee. Even when I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and they comfort me. So I think there's two things David wants us to see here. First, I, wanted, I think he wants us to see valleys are going to happen. Valleys are unavoidable. If you're living and if you're breathing and if you're moving and if you're doing life, there's going to come a point you're going to go through a valley. You can't avoid it. 
It's an old cliche, but I think there's some truth to it. There's an old cliche that says you're either going into a storm or you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. And you can use that metaphorical picture and just translate valley and storm, but it's the same thing. You're either, in a, you're either going into a valley or you're already in the valley or you're just coming out of the valley, but the valleys are unavoidable. You cannot avoid them. You can't always live on the mountaintop as good as those mountains are and as much as we would like to. We do love the mountaintops. We love the peak where the air is clear and, and the view is just spectacular. We love the top where problems in this life just seem to dissipate, just seem to evaporate. But the problem is every mountain has a valley on both sides. Think about Moses. Moses had the most amazing experience with God. There at the top of Mount Sinai, God comes down and hovers over Moses and speaks to Moses and gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And it must have been the most incredible experience for Moses to have. And oh, if he could only have stayed on top of the mountain, only if he could have stayed there with God. But he couldn't stay there. He had to go back to the valley. And when he got back to the valley, you know what he found? He found his brother Aaron and the golden calf. If he could have just stayed on the mountain, it would have been great. But he had to go to the valley and he had to deal with sin. And it was hard. I think about Elijah. I, mean, I love the story of Elijah because it's just so human and it's just so real. But Elijah is on the top of Mount Carmel. And there on the top of Mount Carmel, there's a spiritual battle that takes place. And, and Elijah prays and God moves and fire falls, and the altar is consumed, and the bull is obliterated, and the rocks are, are just dissolved, and the water is lapped up. And there on the mountain, in God's presence, you see the power of God, and life is great. But Elijah couldn't stay there. He came down off the mountain and into the valley, and in the valley, he's confronted by Jezebel. And what does she do? She threatens him. If, if not within 24 hours, if you're not dead, I'm not Jezebel. And it so crushes him. He runs to the wilderness, and there in the isolation of the desert, he just has a nervous breakdown, and he gets before God in a pit of despair and says, God, let me die. And that's the mighty prophet of God. If that happens to Elijah, what's going to happen to the rest of us? We find ourselves in the pit, and, and we don't know what to do when we want to get back on the mountain, but we find ourselves in the valley, and life is hard. Jesus says in John 16, in a moment of clarity, here on earth you will have trials and sorrows. Here on earth you will have trials and sorrows. You know, one of the reasons I believe the Bible is it's not a... I, the reason I believe it's true and it's not just a fairy tale, because in a fairy tale you wouldn't read that. If you were making this up to propagate a myth, to, to, to spawn on a, a new movement, a new religious movement, you, you're not going to say that. You're going to say, here on earth, as long as you're doing exactly what I tell you to, it's going to be hunky-dory. But Jesus gives us the truth. We're on earth, you're going to have trials. On earth, you're going to hurt. On earth, you're going to suffer. On earth, you're going through the valley. <laughs> but... And it's the biggest word in scripture. Take heart. Be of good courage. Be brave. Don't be afraid. I have whooped it. 
I've overcome the world. Listen, there'll be times in this life of pain and sorrow, suffering and sickness. There'll be times of frustration and failure and fatigue. You know, it's just going to happen. It's part of life. It's unavoidable. You got Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland on TV. And please don't watch them. That's just such garbage. And they're telling you that uh, God doesn't want you to be sick. If you just have enough faith, you won't be sick. And that's just, that's true in heaven. That's not true on earth. In this life, you will have trials. In this life, you will have sorrow. But take heart. Because God is one. So David wants us to know the valleys are, are unavoidable. They're going to happen. You're going to face it. And the answer, to, and the, the, what you need to know and hang on to is, is we can take heart even in the midst of the valley because our shepherd has overcome it. And our God, because he's overcome it, he does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to be courageous and confident. He wants us to be brave and he wants us to be bold. He wants us to be sure and he wants us to be steadfast. Now, we're not putting on a fake facade. We're not pretending that life is just always grand. We're dealing with the valleys with honesty and integrity, but we're doing it with courage. David said, even when I walk through the darkest of valleys... I'm not going to be afraid. David was not going to let fear seize his heart and choke out his faith. David was, David was going to face the valleys and he was going to walk through them with courage, not because he was so capable, which he was. I mean, you think about David. He's a mighty warrior of God. He's a man's man. He's a leader of armies. But he's not capable of facing the valleys alone. David knew, David knew he wasn't capable. He knew he wasn't able. He, but, but he was going to face his valleys with great courage and with great confidence because he knew his shepherd was so very close and his shepherd was more than able to take care of him. See, I think we, we sometimes make the mistake, I know I do, of trying to face the valleys of this life in my own power and in my own abilities. And see, David's courage didn't come from his talents or his skills or his competence. David's courage came from knowing his shepherd, from knowing how strong his shepherd was, and mostly from knowing how close his shepherd was. Now, I want you to hear this, and I want you to listen closely. You, you, you want to remember this. You may even want to write it down. When you're in the valley, courage does not come from knowing the answers. Courage comes from knowing the shepherd. You can know all the answers in your head, but if you don't know the shepherd in your heart, the valley's gonna, it's just going to trash you. And see, that's why it's so crucial to learn to walk by faith. Because only in walking by faith can you learn to sense the closeness of the shepherd and know that he is real and that he has got you and he will sustain you through the valley. 
If you treat Christianity like an academic pursuit, you will know facts about God, but you won't know God. And when, when you're walking through the valley and you have a head knowledge about the facts of God, but you don't have a heart experiential knowledge of the presence of God, the valley will crush you. If you treat Christianity like a religious obligation, and you're simply going through the motions, checking off your spiritual to-do list, and you never develop a heartfelt relationship with your Savior, then when you're in the valley, you're going to crumble. You know, many are walking away from Christianity today. It's really sad. And some are walking away because they claim that Christianity doesn't work. And my response to them was, your Christianity doesn't work because you've never developed a heartfelt relationship with Jesus. You've simply gone through the religious motions. See, they've had an experience with what some call perfunctory liturgy. And all that means is they'll come into a worship experience like this. They'll go through it in autopilot because they know when to stand and they know when to sit. They, they know when it's time to leave and when it's time to come. They know when the offering is going to be passed and they know how to doodle in their bulletin. But they've never taken the opportunity of a worship experience like this to, to sing directly to God and to experience his presence as you're offering him praise. They've never taken the advantage to, to hear from God as his word is being preached. There's never been that experiential reaction to what's happening in a worship event. It's just been a perfunctory liturgy and God is just great theory, but he's never a heartfelt experience. And so when they find themselves in the valley, the, heart, the heartfelt experience is not there to see them through because they don't know the shepherd's close. And then they struggle. See, we can't do our faith on autopilot. You've got to pour your heart into it. When you read your Bible, don't read it just to check it off. Read it to hear from God. And learn what works for you when you read the Word. You know, some of you, you enjoy reading large passages of Scripture. And you get the, the overview of this great theological truth as Paul or, or one of the writers unleashes this whole chapter. For others of you, it's one verse. You just want to, you want to camp out on one verse and you just want to mine into it and read its truth. And for some of you, for some of us, it's one word. We get captivated by one word and we're doing Greek studies and, and background checks and we're, we're looking at everything and just this one word and how it's used throughout scripture. Whatever works that enables you to hear God's truth. It's what you do. You don't just do it to check it off. Because autopilot will crush your faith when the valleys come. See, we need to know Jesus. And we need to be awed by Jesus. We need to be dazzled by Him. We need to long for Him, not religion. But for Him, we need to seek Him. And we need to seek His face 
where his glory is and not just his hands where the blessings are. We need to thirst for him like a deer in a desert. We need to hunger for him like somebody who's been fasting for 40 days. Because see, when our hearts are captivated by Christ, the valley will not overwhelm us. Now, there's something crucial here I want you to see, and this is really important. This should, I, I discovered this a few years ago. I don't know, I don't remember how I came to this realization. And some of you probably, probably all of you do. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, I, I'm no brilliant theologian. So if I understand it, you probably do too. But I just, one day I'm reading through this psalm and it's like a light went off. And here's what I discovered. When you read the first three verses, or here's what I saw. When you read the first three verses, David is talking to us about God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he's testifying. And what a great testimony it is. He, he, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside uh, gentle waters. And, and we rejoice to hear David testify because it's so encouraging. And that's what you get in verses 1, 2, and 3. But you get to verse 4, and it changes. See, in verse 4, David enters the darkest of valley, the valley where death intrudes on life. And there in verse 4, David stops talking to us about God and starts talking directly to God. You see the difference? You need to hear this. Your faith has got to get beyond your ability to talk about God and get to the point where it is a passionate conversation with God. David turns his attention to the Lord and says with complete confidence, I will not fear this valley because you are with me. Because you're here, I can be courageous. Because you're beside me, I can be brave. Even in the face of death, I will not fear because you are with me. David says, it's your rod of protection and your staff of direction that comfort me. Let me tell you a stupid story. When I was in high school, my dad, my stepdad, my dad uh, was a high school math teacher at the school I attended. And uh, he, he, two of the, when I was a sophomore, two of the seniors, um, Tim Scott and David Brewer, had been in my dad's class numerous times and, and really liked my dad. And so they liked me, which was good uh, because they were offensive linemen on the football team, two of the biggest guys in school, two of the strongest, toughest guys in school. And so knowing Tim and Doug was always an advantage. And one day during break, I had to walk down to the gym and uh, just happened to, they were going to the gym too. So with three of us walked together and uh, down by the gym uh, was this, we had a smoking area. If you are old enough to remember back when they used to let you smoke at school. Um, but the smoking area was just outside the gym. And there was a couple of guys who didn't like me. If you can imagine somebody not liking me. Uh, but there were a couple of guys who didn't like me. And, and they were, uh, and the, on that day, they were down in the smoking area and um, hanging out during break, smoking. And um, when I 
came out of the building and was headed toward the gym and saw them, uh, I froze because um, they were always looking for uh, an opportunity to harass me. And then I realized I had Tim Scott on one side and Doug Brewer on the other. And so I kept walking. And those guys looked at me, and then they looked at Tim. And they looked at Doug, and they looked down. And I kept walking. I had somebody beside me that was bigger than my enemy. And see, in this life, we could know things about Jesus, or we could know Jesus. And we can know that when we go through those valleys and our shepherd is beside us, nothing that life throws at us is bigger than him. And if he is bigger, he can handle it. And he's got us, no matter what we face. See, in the green pastures and and beside the still waters, it may be enough to talk about God. But in the valley, it's not enough to be able to talk about God. In the valley, you need to be able to talk to God and know that He is listening, that He is there, that He is heartfelt in love with you, that He will, he will take care of you, that He is sufficient for you, that He's got you in the palm of His hand and He is never letting go, that nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. And see, if that's just all head knowledge when you get to the valley, if that's not heart knowledge, you're going to crumble. Your faith is going to dry up and blow away. In the valley, God can't be just a concept or a theological theory or a distant deity. In the valley, God must be the shepherd that you have walked with and talked with and spent time with. And you know experientially that your God is there and he's got you. Knowing about God and knowing God are two very different things. And you need to know God intimately. And you need to know God personally. You need to know that this is not a dry history book full of fables. You need to know that this is the inspired word of God that reveals who he is and how much he loves you. See, when you get past simply knowing about God and you learn to know God, you know he is good. And because he's good, he would never do anything wrong. He is kind. He is loving. He is benevolent. He is gracious. He is pure. He is holy. And he is so transcendent, he could speak this universe into existence. And yet he is still so powerful, he could collapse himself down into one human body and walk this earth for 33 years, experiencing everything you and I go through. So that when we go through the valleys, he knows what it's like and he empathizes with us. See, our faith is about knowing God in our heart and not just in our head. And when you know God in your heart, 
and not just in your head. That knowledge of God will see you through the darkest of valleys. I would love to tell you it would help you and enable you to avoid the valleys. But that would not be biblically true. It will not help you to avoid the valleys. But it will sustain you through them.